0: Grapple fans, and welcome to the fourth edition of Let Me Tell You Something's new series of Match of the Week, where myself, Lorcan Mullen, and my co-host, Simon Cross, watch a match that we take turns in picking from the wide world of wrestling, both past and present, and try to make some interesting points if we can, and just generally create a sort of wrestling version of a book club. Uh, For all intents and purposes. Uh, Simon, it's your second choice so far. What are we discussing this week?
1: We're discussing a match at the G1 Climax in 1991 between Kijimuto and Big Van Vader himself, Leon White.
0: Yes, the first ever version of the G1 Climax. A different body to what it would be in modern terms, where it was essentially like a mini-festival over four or five days in the Sumo Hall. All matches taking place in the Sumo Hall. This is part of the block stages before reaching the final, which we actually covered in our debrief, episode 20.5 of the Five Star Project.
1: Gotta love them little half numbers.
0: Yep. This is a block match between Kijimuto and Big Van Vader just before Vader was about to sort of stop being a New Japan with occasional trips to WCW wrestler and becoming a WCW wrestler who would occasionally make trips to Japan. But we're pretty much seeing the full Vader character there. He's there, the Vader that you would recognise is completely there, that's evolved and changed since his debut in the the gimmick uh, to beat Antonio Inoki and set off a riot. That actually led to them being banned from, I think it was Sumo Hall for quite a while as a result of that. Ooh. <laughs> Vader always finds a way to get himself in the news. As far as, <laughs> as far as, gotta
1: stay does. relevant somehow.
0: But he also has his full mastodon smoke coming out of it helmet as he makes his entrance. It is one of the most legit awesome entrances you can see. Even if now, we are watching this through a fan cam footage.
1: Slight aside, I've heard that that wasn't originally designed for Vader. That was designed for the Ultimate Warrior. Is that true? Do you know? They
0: had the Vader gimmick. And I think one of the first people they offered it to was the Ultimate Warrior. I don't think it had like the Mastodon helmet or anything. It was just the notion of a monster character called Big Van Vader. Okay. Um, so Jim Helwig was one of the people that they would suggested for it. Right, uh, but he turned them down and they went with a Leon White who'd only debuted like a year or so before in AWA I think or that was the first big promotion he was a part of but now he's big but he's not he's still very agile and athletic at this point he's still in his physical mm. prime and Kijimuto's also in his physical prime as well and it's just a great when when people talk of Vader I think they always talk first and foremost of the matches that he had with Kijimuto's great rival when he was in the US of Sting, and that the Vader Sting matches are, to many people's idea, the template of the David versus Goliath formats. Although the funny thing being that a man who Sting, who is like six foot four himself and yeah. you know, two hundred and forty, fifty pounds of muscle can be the David, <laughs> you know, is pretty funny in itself.
1: I mean it does happen. I mean like Giant oh, Gonzalez no. versus Undertaker. Like Undertaker yeah. being a David. But that was weird. more of a
0: reflection of the, the size requirements for wrestling back then. You know? Yeah. Now it's generally not wrestlers aren't as big as they used to be, essentially. In, in yeah, way. like you could have Darby Allen
1: be a David against yeah. like the Goliath of I'm trying to think of like some relatively normal sized dude.
0: Well, I guess it would be someone like <laughs> someone who's like six foot three, essentially, like, you know. Okay. I mean in theory
1: you could have Cody.
0: Be a Goliath against Bulk with him as well, though you need yeah. to have bulk on top of that. What I love about this match, though, is that whilst it does have similar David versus Goliath setup, one of the things about Kijimuto, and and I think you can see that in in Tanahashi's inheritance of it is that when he wrestles, you see his brain at work, mm. and you see the strategy, and you see the method behind what he's doing. And throughout the whole match, he is doing what is needed to be done to beat Vader. Yeah, and like. In most David vs. Goliath encounters, you'll usually see the monster have the majority of the attacks and the and the babyface is just keeping in, just keeping in, and then they find an opening and they might get a fluke victory at the end. But with this one, Muto is on him pretty much the whole time and Vader is having to find the opportunities to swarm him. It's speed versus strength. Yeah, uh,
1: And Muto realises, like, if I just stay on him, if I just don't give him room to get going, off.
0: I've got this. Yeah. And it's also funny as well that this is quite a short match. I think it's only like fifteen minutes or so. Although mm. there was like I think with the fan cam footage there was a there was a bit that we missed out of it. There was like a jump at one stage. Yeah. I don't think that there was a long gap. They were both going outside the ring and I think they were still outside the ring when the jump happened. Mm. It's crazy as well to think that New Japan was it was just a house show event essentially, and the only thing that they televised, I think, was the final night with the Muto. Chono Final and everything. Yeah. so we're having to rely on fan cam footage for a match that nowadays on New Japan World they're literally filming every event that they have
1: like you're always getting like first round like G1 well, well not first round G1 but first round New Japan Cup well, you could easily see stuff you're like just that you're getting
0: like day 3 of the tag team tournament run you know, yeah. you know like you can watch it on the, on the streaming app if you want it'll be bare bones production but you know, but it's there. Yeah, it's it's yeah. crazy to think where how we've gone.
1: To go to your point about how like Vader is surprisingly is the one on the back foot. It's when he takes a powder very early doors. He's like oh, slides out of the ring, yeah, and he's like right. I need to uh, I need to absolutely recalibrate what I'm doing. He seems very he's incredibly frustrated. He's like how is this
0: happening? Yeah, usually I'm the one that hits people. <laughs> yeah. But like you say, it's, it's that combination of Muto using his agility and his intelligence, and just just staying on. Like you say, he he catches him with a drop kick, a flying shoulder spin kick, and drop kick again, sending Vader to the outside. the Vader will get moments when he'll get to him, but then when when Muto finds the chance, he'll, he'll escape him and he'll hit him with a drop kick on the apron and then go outside with the Pescado and go for like handspring elbows and everything. Like he's relentless. It's not it's you know he's not swat. It's not like a Brock Lesnar match. Yeah. Or, or like the first few Vader Sting matches where he's just taking, you know, he's hitting him with everything. Maybe that's also because this is Vader of three or four years experience in New Japan. So mm. he's obviously been beaten at this point. So the mystique isn't there as much as it was. And maybe it's also a sense that these guys now know how to beat him. So that means that he is beatable, you know? There's a blueprint. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But... Despite that being a blueprint, it's still Vader. Still He's still a
0: massive yeah. unit. It's not like the Undertaker of 1990. It's the Undertaker of 1997. Like, you can mm. be beaten. It just takes a lot of effort as opposed to it being borderline impossible. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
1: That's a fair way of putting it. Muto goes for a second handspring later on in the match. And we see a really great dragon suplex from Vader. Oh, I wasn't expecting to see Vader well, do a dragon suplex. That's,
0: that's the crazy thing with Vader. that He will mostly be beaten battering someone with those really cool... I've always loved... I mean, I know apparently it hurts like hell, but I always loved that his punches were essentially clubbing forearm blows or whatever. He was just swinging everything and something mm. was going to hit you. I love at one point that uh, towards the end, Vader goes for a body slam and Muto turns it into an inside cradle. And he's so angry that like Muto's just sat up from the cradle and is still trying to catch his breath. Vader just clobbers him from behind. (laughs) Yeah. He's just so furious that this is still happening.
1: The audacity of Muto to not be unconscious.
0: Yeah. Vader, for the most part, is a bludgeoning instrument. Like, there's one point where Muto's got him in a headlock. Like, he hits the power elbow on on Vader, and before Vader can get back up after he gets a two count, Muto immediately, like you say, he just stays on him and puts him in a headlock. And so Vader just escapes it by punching him. (laughs) <laughs> you no, know, mm. he's not gonna do a. He's not gonna do a head scissor takedown or anything. No, I'm
1: not. The, his shots just look so mean, so
0: because they were powerful. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, he's not. He's not like, put any like performance on them. <laughs> he's just clobbering people. But it looks so good. It just like so nasty, so vicious.
0: Yeah, but like you say, but he will surprise you because just like how he would surprise people with a moon Like he, he can wrestle, he can hit you with a suplex, a released German yeah. suplex. He can he has agility. He has, you know, he does a moon salt at times. He he's got the arsenal. It's not just a big guy who's immobile. He is very mobile. That's the yeah. thing. that's why I think a lot of people consider Vader to be the greatest of the super heavyweight wrestlers of all time because he could move, you know? I suppose the only one that's closest to him as far as athleticism versus perceived size is Brock Lesnar. And Brock yeah. Lesnar's nowhere near as big in, in... Like, he's not carrying nearly as much weight as Vader. No, he's
1: not as um, wide. Nowhere no. near as wide as Vader was.
0: No. I think it's just generally his frame, really, that makes him a monster. Because he's not actually, like... I think Brock Lesnar's 6'2 or 6'3. So he's not actually the tallest guy in the world... But he just had that frame, and I think it's yeah. Vader was a bit taller. And as time went on, he got heavier and heavier. It's funny actually when you look at him in AWA, and when he makes his debut, I don't think he even has the mask when he makes his debut in New Japan, and he's nowhere near as big as he gets. But he's just got that football player size. Really, you can tell that he was a football. Player.
1: He's a fridge. Yeah, he's a literal fridge.
0: Didn't he? Wasn't he in the NFL briefly, Vader?
1: Might have, but he might have made. I don't think he made like a big splash. I think it was like a Baron Corbin level career. Like he was on a squad. What I like about Muto, especially, is you can tell he's a heavyweight as well, but he's also mobile. There's like nowhere near, obviously, as heavy as Vader, but he's got a. Ma- he's a man with a lot in his toolbox, and it shows. He shows a wider range here. I think at um, one point when he hits the back suplex, obviously a move with a lot of symbolism in Japanese wrestling as we've uh, covered many times before so you can tick that off your bingo sheet the crowd are like going mad for him and the crowd are really into Muto as well, well the obviously,
0: crowd is going apeshit this whole match they, they're they loving this whole like, there's moments where it's almost deafening Yeah, what's always interesting in Japan is that they always go crazy for the kick outs that's the thing that really does it for them
1: because mm. it's like oh my god they survived this and
0: yeah it's, this, the match will continue essentially yeah
1: We're getting
0: more of this. So, yeah, I was just getting... White was a nationally ranked centre who was recruited by 40 colleges. He played offensive line for Colorado where he was second-team All-American. In the 1978 draft, he was drafted as a centre by the Los Angeles Rams... Mm-hmm. Uh, 24th pick of the third round, 80th overall. In his first season, they went to the Super Bowl, and he does have an NFC Championship ring. But he was also put on ah. an injured reserve list and later retired due to a ruptured ah. It's so weird, isn't it? In football, just one injury, especially in those days, and you're kind of done. Mm-hmm. Whereas with wrestling, you you can return essentially. But yeah, I um. So Vader, it's it's funny. So it really doesn't come until the la- latter part of the match. That Vader does start to dominate proceedings, and then it's about Muto. So, like I said, it's it's weird. It's like the reverse. That usually the face is completely swarmed at the start. They might have a, like a brief flurry at the start, like at the first minute or so, a they, smattering
1: they, they, of offense. They like a little sprinkle.
0: And then as it goes on towards the end, they've started to they've weathered it, and then they're able to come back and it hit more and more as it goes on. But with this one, it was because he hit Vader so frequently and and put him off balance so early on, Vader's never quite able to retain full control. And even when he is swarming him at the end, he has already had damage done to him. He's already been rocked. So maybe what he's hitting him with isn't as effective.
1: Like, it isn't a full uh, batch of gunpowder. But he's still the hitting full... him
0: with everything. Like, he sits, he does a vertical sit on him when Muto goes for a sunset flip. So, again, it's like, oh, all these tricks that were working for Muto before are starting to run out for him, you know? Yeah, the counter playbook it's has been big like... a splash. That doesn't quite get three. He goes for an avalanche and a power bomb, which became his big finishing move in WCW. I don't know if it was at that point in New Japan, but that 2.9 gets goes crazy. Muto is starting to, like... He's getting briefer moments, like at one point he ducks clothesline, and you think, oh, it's going to be his chance to get a comeback, and Vader just swings around and hits him with another one. <laughs>
1: and that, like, again, that lariat in, in particular, just Muto's just falls to the ground like paper. <laughs> He's just crumpled.
0: But I think it's like, I think at this point Vader is starting to get exhausted, and Muto's trying to find that opening. So, like, he turns another clothesline into a backslide, then he turns body slam into an inside cradle. Then Vader goes for an avalanche but manages to hurt his knee in the process. So again, he's just he's already walking wounded. So yeah. Muto goes for a flying body press. Vader's able to catch it, but then Muto again, the exhaustion's too much, and Muto is able to cradle him and gets the win. So it's a it's a situation where both guys have wrestled their right, you know, they've Yeah. They've taken what the other one did, and it was just ultimately Muto was able to do enough that Vader wasn't able to get quite enough in as well. No one looks bad losing him. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it's been constructed in a way where both men don't lose any face from the, well, Vader doesn't lose any face. And Muto obviously gains a lot of traction because he has defeated Vader, but Vader's not like been shortchanged at all or anything like that.
0: And again, it's like at the end, instead of Vader getting his heat back by attacking Muto like a sore loser, he like just sort of angrily shakes his hand. It's like he knows he was beaten, but he, you know... He's
1: he's not happy about it, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. But he's like a man of his word, essentially. And it's funny Mm. how those things can make them still... they're still kind of the heel insofar as they're who the fans boo and they want the native to win. But they don't portray them as sneaky, or it's like it's like know, they have their angry. own internal honor code, and he will. Yeah, Muto met it this time, you know. Like Vader knows he was beaten by the better man in that moment.
1: Mm. I mean, it's obvious in in that bit of body language that uh, Vader respects Muto, but he certainly doesn't like him.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I love this match, and Brian Pillman at the time was there, I think, and he told Dave Meltzer that this was like the best match he'd ever seen. And I think that's where the belief goes that Meltzer gave it five stars. He might have done, I'm not just being that he has, but I think it was like his initial report was, Brian said this was a five-star all-time great match, you know. I don't know if Meltzer himself ever rated it personally. I can do a quick look up on Cage match to see if that was the case. Do you have any final thoughts on the match itself as well? On the
1: match itself, not really. Um, what I will say just before the match is Vader obviously, like being a dick to the crowd and just like running at them and yeah, just watching a, classic, yeah. a member of the audience absolutely cack himself
0: yeah that's the tradition of gaijin in japan that it's almost like it was almost a badge of honor to get hit by um yeah i mean, ball rope or, or what?
1: brody's or chain or well it was more of a badge of honor that's a trip to hospital yeah that and obviously his um entrance gear that helmet, that, that that clearly is very heavy because Vader has it on his like neck for like barely any time at all. Then he holds it with one arm, which looks impressive, like hitting the steam. But he wants rid as soon as possible.
0: I remember there was a great video or gif I saw once of him doing that in a in a multi-person tag team match, and Jushin Liger running onto on screen. He's on the opposing side and just kicking over the thing. <laughs> 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 like, you dumb fuck. <laughs> You're gonna die. <laughs> so this was essentially also the decider as to who would win the block. Muto had lost to Norton and beaten Fujinami. Yeah, there's no there's no Meltzer rating to it on Cage Match. It has a it has a cage match rating of eight point six six. Yeah, the whole match is only thirteen minutes fifty four seconds. And that's something you just would not get now. Now they would they would for a block it decided, be...
1: not a chance in the G one, not so a chance that goes for that length. Essentially,
0: yeah. So yeah, earlier on, Scott Norton and Tatsumi Fujinami wrestled to a time limit draw, a uh, double countout. Sorry. Ah. Okay. So they were both on three points. So it was basically whoever won this was going to win the block.
1: Right, right, okay. Because the block, the groups were much smaller in '91. Yeah, it was though, just
0: then. a block. It was two blocks of four.
1: Right, I'm with you.
0: Like I said, it was just a four night event seventh, uh, ninth, tenth, and eleventh, and that's all it was. And then so the next night after this, Muto goes on to have another fantastic match with Chono, which is a completely different story where he where Chono's almost the underdog insofar as like the story has been that since they were young lions together seven years ago, Muto's always beaten Chono. Chono had never got the win and then we had the match that, you know, I gave five stars to. I don't think I would quite give this one five stars if I had to, but I still thought it was a fantastic match. No, I don't
1: think quite five stars. You're right. It's, I loved it, though.
0: A very, very high four. And I would love to see more matches that were 13 minutes, 54 seconds, and told a really good story. Yeah. So,
1: One of the things I was looking forward to when we started this was looking more into Vader, because Vader's someone that's always fascinated me as a character, but I haven't seen a lot of his work.
0: We definitely want to do Sting Vader at some point. We'll, oh, that will happen. Ten, yeah. ten, maybe 10... 20 weeks down the line we don't want to repeat wrestlers too often if we can avoid it mm. but yeah that has been our um, actually if people want to get in touch with you simon with any more recommendations how can they do so
1: uh they can get in touch with me on twitter where i'm so known as simon cross free free for if your time is free by 100 you get the beats per minute of the uh guy in the crowd's heart when vader started running towards him
0: my name is Wilcan That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for amateur footage. N for no copyright infringement intended. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you want to get in touch with me via email, put an at gmail.com at the end of it. Our next pick for match of the week is going to be coming to you from the world of sport. We're going to British Wrestling. And we're going for one of the most beloved figures of that time, even though he was apparently a right crotchety arsehole outside of the ring. We're going to watch Les Kellett take on Leon Arras, better known to many people as the British character actor Brian Glover. Ooh! From such films as Kess and Alien 3. And for certain viewers of a certain age, the British TV show Rumble. Which maybe we should try and find some copies of that to see. Them. Uh now this this is highlighting the generational gap. What is Rumble? Well, Rumble was a one series wonder on BBC about a British wrestling promotion being built up by Brian Glover and Leslie Jones or Leslie Phillips from Birds of a Feather fame.
1: No, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs>
0: Let's I'll look have to look I'm we'll going to have a quick if we can Google. Find it. We'll see if we can find it, but I remember that. Oh, boy. It treated wrestling as if it was real, but it wasn't real or what? I don't know. But anyway, there's nothing left to say at this point except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time.